Yvette Brown from Awkwardness and Grace. I'm a white mom raising two black boys, and if you feel squeamish talking about race, you're not alone. Join me, parents, and professionals as we have conversations about race and the awkwardness and grace of it all. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Awkwardness and Grace. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Jill Wenner. She was a stressed out doctor who became a meditation teacher to help other doctors to become less stressed. And the clarity of meditation allowed her to wake up to the immensity of her white privilege. And now she helps other white people to do the same. She's also the creator of along with Myesha Claiborne of the online course, Conscious Anti-Racism. Hi, Jill. Welcome to Awkwardness and Grace. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I have to say, I admire the way you have partnered your medical experience with a holistic approach to addressing stress and racism. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a very interesting journey for sure. Well, can you tell us about your what led up to your aha moment? Which one? <laughs> There's been a few aha moments. Um, how about the moment where you found your way of incorporating your medical practice, meditation, and racism together? Okay, perfect. So I think there were several ahas and in personal internal work that led me to this anti-racism retreat called Allies in Action back in March of 2019. It was run by these two incredible black women, Paige Ingram and Leslie Mack. And the idea was like two black women will hold space for this group of white people to come and like figure out how to put their allyship into, into practice, into action. And, you know, they use the word ally. A lot of people don't like the word ally anymore, but it's, it's all Theoretically, it's all the same thing or intending the same thing. And we were going through uh, one of the workshops was, you know how those, those like retreat things, like some of the real growth happens like in between the sessions, but the workshops were also incredible. And, and one of them that we did was talking about the symptoms of white supremacy culture and how those symptoms show up in, in your own personal life and in, your, in the institutions that you interact with. And how do you recognize them? And how do you start to like combat them? And I remember sitting there and for anyone listening, like who isn't familiar with this notion, white supremacy culture is not just talking about the KKK. It is, it's not white supremacy that we think of like with tiki torches and, and the white hoods, but it's the culture that we, that our whole country is steeped in, which is to keep white people in power. So hence the white supremacy part of it. And it's, it's in all of us. It's got its hooks in all of us, whether, whether or not we're uh, willing or, or not. So some of the symptoms are, and this is based on some work done by Kenneth Jones and Tima Okun in it's like a dismantling white supremacy workbook, D defensiveness, perfectionism, right to comfort, worship of the written rule, like all these things that are like so in ingrained in my own, the way I, I exist in the world and also in, in the medical community and then in the rest of the world too. And so I was sitting there going through it, you could just kind of pick with your breakout group, which ones you connected to the most. And I'm just thinking, well, defensiveness, like that's how I started my whole anti-racism journey is when a friend of mine called me out about a blog post I wrote in 2016, my friend said that it, it uh, was very privileged. And so I got very defensive and was able to, because of my meditation practice, 
like take a moment and be like, all right, well, I don't agree with her. I'm not racist. I'm going to prove her wrong. But also I don't actually want to be whatever it is that she's saying that I'm being. So like, let me learn more about this. So sitting there in this workshop being like, well, I, I can recognize what defensiveness feels like inside my body. That's mindfulness. Like recognizing that like heart pounding, that need to say no, but I, and like immediate, you know, like whatever defensiveness is, that's, that's a mind body technique is, is recognizing that and recognizing when perfectionism comes up and recognizing this, this right to comfort, which is this need that, that, that you should be emotionally comfortable all the time. That's a symptom of white supremacy culture. And so I had this realization that a lot of the work of recognizing one's own privilege as a white person and recognizing when you're about to shut down or, or, or facing the, dis, the uncomfortable emotions that come up as they always do with, with talking about race in, you know, in an authentic way, space can be held for that process in, in using mindfulness act and other mind body exercises that can allow white people to lean into and learn from this discomfort instead of shutting down. And so as we progressed through the, through the workshops and the, the retreat weekends, other stuff we did was, you know, where, where, what are your systems of, of power and influence and, and who do you have an impact on? And, 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 you know, if you work in a hospital, how can you bring some of this work into the hospital? And so recognizing my own sphere of influence would be my meditation community and my email list. And we kind of had to come up with a thesis project for the course. And so mine became this conscious anti-racism curriculum, the type of meditation I teach is from the Vedic meditation tradition, but I call it conscious health meditation. So, so being an anti-racist is not something that you can just say that you are, and then poof, you're an anti-racist. It's something that requires continuous self-examination and evaluation and tension and effort and learning. And so, and a few, a few dismantling of your own ego, I think as, as well. So it's a very conscious process of becoming an anti-racist and using these mind-body tools ranging from, from uh, mindfulness to shadow work to tapping, which is something I'm also a, a practitioner in, uh, using compassion and also some communication exercises. So that's how it, my, my initial version of the, of the curriculum started. That was the uh, initial aha moment was all on this Allies in Action weekend. And, and the initial plan was to like collaborate with some of my colleagues, but like actually intentionally my white colleagues, because I was understanding that there's a huge emotional burden and tax placed on black people to educate white people about race and racism. And I didn't want to add to that, but I, but I came to realize that's more like in the live setting where you don't want to ask black people to do that for free. But like, I think that anti-racism training is, runs a very high risk of being incomplete and, and not as powerful if it's just from a white voice. So I, I collaborated with a physician colleague of mine, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, who is also a physician, but also does mind-body work. She does a, um, something called neuro-linguistic programming, and she's a hypnotherapist. And so we teamed up, and she came on board the conscious anti-racism team and added a bunch of modules and content. And so it's really this powerful training that allows non-Black, non-Indigenous people to do the work that it takes to dismantle white supremacy within themselves and also within the world that they live in, a, in an emotionally healthy way that brings them into that space 
adding to rather than pulling energy out of that space. Hmm. Wow. Yes. I was fortunate enough to go through the process and take your conscious anti-racism course online. And it's interesting because I had never thought of the symptoms as part of white supremacy culture, like perfectionism, quality over quantity, only one way. I, I, I thought of them more along the lines of maybe American capitalism or institutions that would bleed into the way we live. So the symptoms of white supremacy culture are basically thoroughly enmeshed in our society mm -hmm. and it's founded on racism, which I would have never even, like I said, thought that perfectionism would be considered white supremacy culture. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it was such a huge like aha moment for me to learn this and, and the intersection of, of capitalism and America and, and racism, like they're, they're kind of, um, I think even Kendi calls capitalism and, and racism, maybe he calls them conjoined twins or, or identical twins or something like that. They're, mm -hmm. I think conjoined twins because you can't have one without the other. And so it, it's very interesting to see how they play out in, in my own self, but also in the world because it, because it's to white people, for, for most white people until they become aware of it, it's just the way the world is. Exactly. And you don't realize that it's a symptom of this bigger evil thing. It's like, well, of course we want to try our best. And of course it's very important to be comfortable. And if, you know, like all these things are looking back now, it's like, oh no, it doesn't have to be that way. And that's just the, that's the standard of what we consider correct, but it isn't false notion. I personally want to dig deeper into that now that I've been exposed to it through your course. You know, it's interesting. I've been searching for answers as to why white people are so complacent about racism. Mm. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then I realized that there is nothing to motivate a white person to explore anti-racism because there is no obvious benefit to them personally. And then I started thinking about it more and it was I realize that on a really deep level, it must be affecting white people because they wouldn't be so defensive. They wouldn't be in denial and they wouldn't be protesting. So it must be affecting them on a very visceral level because it becomes on, it's almost incomprehensible or too much for them to even try to examine. And so taking your course, I feel like uh, they can explore their discomfort and enact personal change. I also felt like there was this, I, had, I left with like a sense of hope that they can deal with the stress of the process of dealing with their personal racism and the way it affects them. And most people, you know, discomfort is such a huge thing to white people. <laughs> right, yeah. Could you elaborate a little bit more on some of the mind-body techniques that you use in your course? Sure, absolutely. And I'm, I'm so, um, Eva, so happy to hear that you, that you learned from the course. I know you've been doing this work for a really long time as well. And it's always you know, great to hear feedback from someone who I trust. That, and I know you're in the, I know you through, through your husband, through our meditation uh, practice and uh, teaching career. So it's great to hear that feedback. And that's exactly the intent that I want, you know, it's kind of the stepwise process. It's 
like you can't just be like, well, just recognize when you're defensive and stop being defensive. If you don't have a sense of what it is to be in it, have your emotions and, and feelings embodied. So it's first off using basic mindfulness to get people, and this is all done in the, in the course, in the framework of the symptoms of white supremacy culture, but like start to get like basic mindfulness of what, what your senses are experiencing. You know, what do you smell, see, hear, all those things. Just getting a sense of paying attention to your senses that you carry with you all the time. And then it takes it to the next step of, all right, when you're feeling something painful or uncomfortable. So once you figure out like, okay, this is what my, like tuning into what your senses are experiencing, and then you can take the next step into what does it feel like inside my body when I am uncomfortable? Because a lot of people don't realize that there is a sensation in the body that goes along with the emotions that we're feeling. And if you can recognize those sensations, then you can become aware of them and then process them in a healthy way. So starting to become building these layers, building these practices of becoming aware of what's going on inside your body. And then we do a module about the shadow work and the shadow is basically these this aspect of yourself that you, we all come with like the capacity to have every emotion and every feeling, but we squash a lot of them away because we're taught that they're wrong, including racism and bias. And so what happens is you don't actually get rid of them. We just pretend that they're not there and they start to pop up in unconscious and often ugly ways. And so the, the purpose of the shadow work module is to really give a, a framework and a, a way to recognize what your shadow is and, and to understand that everybody has it. Everybody has the capacity to have all these emotions, even when they're very ugly and, and something we don't want to admit about ourselves this is a tough one. I think this module is tough and I'd be curious Yvette, to know what it was like for you. There's some pretty uh, in, intense exercises in there, but it's sort of, I think one of the, one of the most eye-opening parts of the course is like, okay, these things that I hate about other people are actually things that are within me that need to be processed and that are understood and accepted. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about, about that one. <laughs> Yes. And it's funny because I have, I have felt that way for years, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm very good at accepting that and confronting it. I think that for me, it was, my shadow was just feeling so intimidated about expressing it publicly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's something I've really had to overcome. Boy, but it really does physically, I definitely feel it in my body. Awesome. So yeah, so I mean, part of one of the exercises in that module is to like, the idea is that when you're pointing your finger at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. And so, so every time you're, you're upset with the, something else, someone else is saying, then there's a, an opportunity there rather than it being a, a chance to judge someone, which it could be that too, but there's an opportunity to learn something about yourself and some stuff within you that needs to be reconciled. So that there's that module. And then we go into a compassion module, which is understanding having compassion for yourself and for other people exactly as they are because everybody enters this process this anti-racism process at a different point and it's real easy to sit in judgment but remembering that like you know six months a year two years before you were potentially where they are and so to develop compassion for yourself and, and any mistakes that you might make along your anti-racist journey you're going to make them as white people it is impossible to go through this journey and not make some gaffes and not stick your foot in your mouth or say something that could be potentially triggering or traumatizing for someone. So you just do the best you can. And, and this teaches compassion along the way. 
And then I talk about tapping, which is this really incredible technique that I learned back in 2017 that uses similar, similar to acupuncture, the same energy meridians used in acupuncture, but without needles. And you tap on certain points on your face and your chest for the most part, and it helps you process negative emotions and have aha moments about why it might be that way. So you might be tapping about anger about a certain thing and then realize, oh, it's because my mom always would say this or that about racism or, or I was raised in this way or that's why I, you know, um, a, lot, a lot of people have used it having a difficult interaction with a family member about race, like in, in present day and they can tap on it and then realize, oh, okay, like I was really mad at them and I was accusing them and that's why they got defensive and now I can go back in feeling much more calm and have a more productive conversation and then, and then going ahead and doing so. So it's a really great way to diffuse some of the, the emotions that might make us act a little crazy in the moment and, and calm us down so that we can have a more productive conversation about race and get out of our own way uh, when we're stepping into anti-racist spaces. And then there's a whole module on communication that Dr. Uh, Dr. Claiborne really um, has added quite a bit to that uh, she does this great exercise called perceptual positioning, which is, it's very simple, but very profound where you're physically putting yourself in another person's shoes, like as yourself, as the person you're talking to, and then as a witness, as the observer of that interaction and the insights you can get from that. And there's a whole lot of great stuff about communication, how to, how to approach practical stuff about how to approach any, any oh poof moments that you might have yeah. um, with, with black people, and ways to have difficult conversations with, with black folks, to have difficult conversations with other white people that you want to raise their awareness of, of any, any harm they might be perpetuating with what they've been saying or doing. And then um, how to bring anti-racism into the workplace and, you know, with your colleagues and, and just kind of like do's and don'ts of what you should and shouldn't say and why uh, to black people that I think a lot of white people are like hungry for this information and just feel like so uncomfortable about it. Oh my goodness, there's just so many techniques that were so wonderful through this process. You know, even the, the simple part of telling uh, a white person of what they should and shouldn't do concerning black people, if you don't know that, you're, you're gonna make some really embarrassing mistakes. And I know I have many times. So having this available <laughs> for, for average people is really helpful. Yeah, it was, it was really, it's, I mean, that's why it's so much, it's so much richer with her, with her being a part of it. She's really lovely. Oh, good, good. I, yeah, she's amazing. Like our, our whole story, the two of us is very um, serendipitous as well. But yeah, so, so that's, and, and then there's, you know, a few bonuses in there and, and uh, a, a couple other interviews with some other people. And um, so, uh, there's a guided healing meditation from a colleague of mine, who's a, a really, incredible energy healer. So even if you're not into energy healing, it's great. You just listen and you get very relaxed, but this kind of setting boundaries and healing guided meditation that, that wraps up the course that is really lovely as well. Yeah. You really, you touched on pretty much every base and gave everyone ways to deal with their emotions and help start dismantling their personal racism. I have to tell you about a little experience I had it was the week that uh, Jason uh, Blake was murdered, mm -hmm. and it was the Republican convention, convention that I refused to watch, but James decided he wanted to watch it, and so I hear it blaring in the background, which is agitating me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was my kid's second week back to virtual school, 
there's fires burning in California. And then my son's seven-year-old snake died unexpectedly. And I was like, okay, I can't even sleep. I felt completely like a deflated punching bag. And so I went back into your course. I reviewed some of the meditation and did the tapping. And that night I, I slept like a baby. So, um, (laughs) you know, it's funny because I've been doing meditation for so long that I think, oh yeah, I'm fine. Everything's great. But then there's just days you just, you just, you just can't manage and you need, you need all the tools you can get. And also, I mean, I am encouraged about passing this on to friends that are dealing with their personal racism because we do talk about how it affects us physically and how it debilitates us from really exploring and conversing because we're so caught up in all of our stuff. Yeah. So this is a wonderful course. Thank you. Thank you. It's so lovely to hear that. I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that the spirit in which it was created is, is the spirit in which it was received. That's great. And do you have anything you're going to be doing in the future or? Yeah. So we have, there's a version for healthcare and a version for non-healthcare. Um, there's some modules in there about social determinants of health, which are risk factors for poor health outcomes that are experienced a lot of times by black patients. And it kind of goes into the the racist policies that created those. So we just updated the course fairly recently, I'd say probably like three, four weeks ago. And then Maisha and I have been getting into the training space. So we uh, have made some really great contacts and are working with an organization called the Executive Action Response Network out of Pittsburgh. And it's these three incredible um, Black MBA um, executives who wrote this call to action um, to companies in Pittsburgh, because I guess Pittsburgh has just come up, uh, there was a study that the quality of life or life expectancy for Black people in Pittsburgh is lower than like anywhere else in the country. So their whole mission is like, okay, you wrote your letter saying that you support Black lives, now now do something about it. And so they, they do anti-racist trainings and help to get more Black, they use the word Black talent, so more Black executives and, and Black you know, higher level people into getting them into these companies and really doing the whole kind of like a makeover of the company to put their actions uh, into place where they were just kind of doing performative words and, and saying that they believed in it, but not really making any changes. So they've asked us to be their anti-racism training provider. So we've been getting some, some training set up to do the conscious anti-racism curriculum to do it in the live setting, which is what we always intended to do, but then COVID happened. Right. Um, and so it's funny, Maisha and I really had our, our, our first like in-person meeting the week that COVID shut everything down. Like we were like, should we hug? Should we not hug? We, we were like actually out at lunch. So that gives you a sense. Like it was bad enough that we didn't know if we should hug, but it was like not that bad that we were actually out at a restaurant together. Now we're going to be doing trainings, corporate trainings. The folks at, at it's EARN, E-A-R-N, they are looking, they're really looking for like outside the box diversity training. They're not looking for like the, the usual 30 minute video that you watch and uh, online and then you click it and then you're done. They really want something that's going to cause more profound internal shifts with people. So we're super excited about that. And it, it just seems like it's all coming together. Yeah, because I, you know, for so long I was talking about Uh, race and racism and no one was responding. No one was like interacting with any of my posts or my, or my blog posts or my articles that I was posting. And I think there's just this paralyzing fear 
And so now it's, it's starting to take root. And I think having Maisha as my partner is, is one of the, the main catalysts for that. It just, um, it just rounds everything out so much more um, and gives everything so much more, more power. It's really exciting to, to get to do, and we're doing these events virtually now, but, but we'll eventually be doing them, you know, in person when, when the universe allows that to happen again. Wow. That sounds wonderful. I talked to a friend who's a medical sociologist and she was telling me just the impact of stress on an African-American person's life. And that's who we specifically were talking about. You know, just, I mean, when you think about the daily stresses that they go through that white people have not a clue about. Yeah. That of course, that culmination throughout life is just, it's going to affect them. And every single person, African-American person I've interviewed says the same thing, that just fear and shame, it's just, it's just tragic, it's tragic. I'm really pleased that you're going to take this forward and that you're bringing this mind body into the arena along with the, you know, the really symptomatic aspects of white supremacy culture and bringing it to the African-American community too, to help them heal. Well, yeah. And so, you know, when we, when we go work in corporate groups, like, because now it's not just me, it's me and Maisha, we can, we can separate into affinity groups. So if there are black employees, they don't, they don't need the same training that I'm going to give to the white employees. And so we can split off into separate groups. And, and I think anybody can benefit from these techniques, but the context is going to be extremely different. So, you know, tapping and shadow work and all of this is incredible for black people as well. It's just going to be in a totally different context and something that I am going to be a lot more careful about if I facilitate that. So it's really nice to have Maisha doing that because I'm not an expert in what it's like to be a black person in this country. I have zero expertise in that whatsoever. And I would never want to like overstep my training or as much training and, and research and, and work that I do. I, I can't ever really understand that experience. So it's, it's lovely to be able to adapt this material in a way that's more relevant to different communities. Yeah, no, very true. I just, I want to say thank you so much for doing this work and for uh, allowing me to do this course. I will be putting your information on the show notes and make it available for everyone so that they can go ahead and go forward and, you know, explore this online program that you have, especially during this time of shelter in place. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing it. I mean, it is, it's that thing where it's like, all right, do I want to spend the money and the time to do this? And it's like, what am I so afraid of finding out about myself? And it's the kind of thing where if it like seems like the right thing to do, but a little scary, then and do it. That's how I felt about the, the retreat that I went on, the anti-racism retreat um, back in 2019. And it was awesome. So if it's something, if you know, if you're looking for a different approach, that's going to really help you do it. I, I just watched this video of this incredible um, anti-racism trainer who's a, a white woman and she's like really intense. What's her name? It's uh, Jane Elliott. So she does a thing with students about discrimination based on your eye color to teach them about systemic racism. And I just saw a video of her work and it's so powerful and it's just heart wrenching. You see these white teenagers just completely shutting down and, and learning a lesson. But part of me just wonders if these kids had an abusive parent and then there's a, an adult yelling at them about this, 
very important information that very much needs to be conveyed, but there's not like a, a way for them to process the discomfort that they're feeling other than being yelled at. I, I'm just, I, I'm very hesitant to even question what this woman is doing because she's incredible and she's like a pioneer and she's awesome. But this one video I saw, it got really intense. And I, I think that don't mince words and don't, don't hide away from the discomfort. But I think that introducing some of these tools in as well can help it be an even more productive conversation and even more space for people to be open and to learn. I'm, I'm a very, like, I respond to tough love. And so for me, that's always going to be like, what's going to make me really like break down, but then open up, but not everybody's like that. So I've seen that video. It is very intense. I thought it was wonderful. And I thought it was really impactful, but you have a very good point that um, we just, you just don't know the history of people and especially teens. Oh my goodness. Like the video makes you want to like hate this white girl that shuts down and runs out. So I think there's, there's different approaches and that's the beauty of this world is that there's, there's so much out there and there's so many incredible resources. Yes, that's so true. And now we have one more. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I should mention that I also do donate 20% of my proceeds to anti-racist organizations. So for anyone, for anyone listening, I, I feel like that is a very important part of, of what I do is, is making sure that I'm giving back and, and making sure that my impact goes beyond what it is that I'm offering, but that I can then feed, feed back into some of the amazing work that other people are doing as well. All right. Well, gosh, thank you so much for joining me today. I am looking forward to passing this information on. All right. Thank you so much for having me. We'll touch base again when you're in the thick of corporate anti-racism training. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see how it all goes. All right, Jill. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> <laughs>